Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. You guys are not doing any pass blocking. You're just stepping aside and letting them walk in. Pop, 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 pop. That's what I want. All of you around that ball. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all play like some little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. These guys are nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. Yes, sir. They sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then let's play. But that's eating us too. That gives us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Bro Show. I am Rob Bro. We'll head to the text line right off the bat, clearing up a couple of texts from the earlier show, The Raiderland. As always, I am the host, you are the co-host, The Rob Bro Show. You can text in 806-855-3712. 806-855-3712. Wednesday is Bandwagon Wednesday on the Raider Land. we got a couple of more bandwagons to get on and off of. We'll also talk about what we ended the show with, the bear attack, where two friends were attacked by a bear. A couple of wrestling teammates were hiking in the woods, attacked by a bear, First guy getting attacked, second guy attacks the bear, bear attacks him. So I ask you, the people, what's the biggest, meanest animal you would fight for a friend? And at what point would you just say, he lived a good life? (laughs) Who would you defend against a bear? Is there anybody... And what's the biggest animal you would defend against? Well, are we talking horse attack, bear attack, mountain lion, goat? What's the level of risk you're putting on some of your friends? 806-855-3712. This is the Rob Bro Show. We've also got plenty more to talk about. A couple of bandwagons early. There's a Cliff Kingsbury story that I was going to talk to earlier. I'm sure we'll get into it again in the next couple of weeks because as the Arizona Cardinals start heading into a bye or maybe a long week because of a Thursday game or anything else, there's plenty of opportunities for Cliff Kingsbury to be fired. Except for that whole contract extension thing. He might have protected himself by signing an extension, uh, which would lock him into at least next year uh, before they can feel comfortable firing him monetarily. Now, I don't think that Cliff has done bad, necessarily. And people are talking about the offensive numbers. Well, yeah, they've been bad, certainly, but not unfixable. 
And with DeAndre Hopkins coming back and with Robbie Anderson added into the mix, it's certainly not going to be a talent issue. Could it be a culture issue? Yeah. And that probably does stem from the head coach. But the bandwagon I am on is Cliff Kingsbury giving up play calling duties, which is something he's discussing with the coaching staff and with the organization. Now, it's not just because I don't think Cliff should be calling plays. Cliff is a very good play caller. And you see the tension with him and Kyler Murray that I think reads as Cliff saying, just run the play, Kyler. I'm calling plays. Just run them. Or it also reads as, Kyler, just execute the freaking play, man. I'm calling good plays. Just execute it. I mean, you've seen some legitimate tension between head coach and quarterback on the field. And again, all that stems from the offseason stuff that I don't think was ever resolved with the Kyler Murray extension. Bad spot. Bad spot for the Cardinals. But Cliff Kingsbury giving up play calling, whatever's best for the team, he says, I don't think head coaches should call plays. There's too much to do as a head coach. Now, if you want to be Jason Garrett and do the game plan and then hand it to Kellen Moore and say, here's the game plan. And if you want to be involved throughout the game saying this and that, sure. But a lot of things improve when you give up play calling, game management. Which has been an issue. Being in the game. Focusing on a total game plan instead of an offensive game plan. And this is just offensive coaches in general. If I was an NFL GM, I would not hire a head coach who is the offensive coordinator. Would I hire an offensive brilliant mind? Sure. Have, have Shanahan and, and McVeigh gone to Super Bowls and won Super Bowls? Yes. But more often than not, it's an issue for the head coach to be the offensive or defensive coordinator. I want a guy controlling the game. Now, yes, I want a brilliant football mind, and I think all three of those guys are, and I still have faith that Cliff can be a good head coach. But I think for Cliff Kingsbury, it might be a good idea for him to give up play calling. And if it's because him and Kyler aren't meshing, if it's because of any other issue, if it's going to improve game management, whatever it is, it's not going to happen this week, but I think it'll happen this season. And people saying that Cliff is is never going to get another head coaching job just don't understand how the world works. Cliff will get another head coaching job. But does Cliff want to be a head coach or does he want to be an offensive coordinator? Because even the brilliant Andy Reid eventually learned, yeah, hey, I can game plan during the week and then somebody else can call the plays. And I think Andy Reid, when he did that, finally improved and got better as a head coach.
I mean, at some point, you just have to double down and buy in as the head coach, which I don't know that Cliff has done yet. A couple of more bandwagons rolling in on the text line. You can text in 806-855-3712. Denver Broncos fan since 1988. Totally off the Hackett bandwagon. Man, that took one, like, half year. Uh, this off the text line, is it bad when you mentioned the bear attack and I thought it was something regarding Baron Morton? Now, hopefully a, a bear attacks, um, West Virginia then. Uh, got that dog in me, so I only see myself fighting my equal for a friend. So, uh, this guy's fighting a rabid dog. An equal. This off the text line, Kyler Murray is a bigger problem than anything else. I I agree. And I think all the people hanging this on Cliff Kingsbury said, and this is not just because I'm like trying to defend the Red Raider. If there's one man I've defended on this radio station more than anyone else in the world, it's been Cliff Kingsbury. I did it the final four years of his tenure. I'm still one of those guys that if you had given Cliff Kingsbury, Joey McGuire as a, as, as an assistant in 2016 and tripled the recruiting budget and brought in, you know, Blanchard and Nance and, and really a robust, uh, had a scouting department. If you would have done that for Cliff in 2016, he might still be here. Cliff Kingsbury learned how to build and run a program from Kevin Sumlin. His frame of reference was not great, and nobody helped him. And maybe he didn't want help. I'm not behind the scenes. Maybe he thought what they were doing was good enough, but... Obviously not, because the next guy who came in, Matt Wells, had a bigger recruiting department. And now you have a legitimate recruiting department, and you're recruiting at a top 20 level. It's amazing how that works. This off the text line, it depends. This is... This is off the, uh, what's the biggest animal you would fight for a friend? Uh, depends. If said friend picks the fight, he gets to get himself out of it. You know, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, if, if the friend is throwing rocks at a bear, you're not going to step in between him and the bear. That's the him and the bear problem. That is certainly him and the bear problem, not your problem. Uh, another text on the text line. It's about a game coming up this weekend. We'll get it on the other side. As we head into the break, you can text in 806-855-3712. What's the biggest animal you would fight for a friend? Like the uh, wrestling team that was fighting bears out in the wilderness for each other. Pulling them off, getting them out, doing everything they could. It's the Rob Bro Show with you. As the co-host, 806-855-3712. We'll be back after this on Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports.
Welcome back. Rob Burrow's show. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Here in the Arctic Air Studios. Uh, this off the text line. The Horns can beat Gundy's gang with a quick tempo passing and running attack featuring increasingly large doses of Robinson. As the game progresses in which the second half will expose Oklahoma State's fatal weakness, defensive secondary. Some thoughts. I don't think you're breaking ground here saying that uh, Texas can beat Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas is favored by six and a half uh, and expected to win. Spencer Sanders is injured slash not injured, might play is playing, is definitely practicing and playing, uh, but may not play. I don't know. There was the weird news before the TCU game that he was injured, and then all of a sudden he's on the field looking fine. I don't know if they have some kind of uh, shot or miracle drug in the locker room that is getting Spencer Sanders ready, or if it's just an overblown injury report that somebody saw and found on the ground. Uh, but if Spencer Sanders is healthy, I think this game will be close. Um, but, hey, Oklahoma State struggled with Texas Tech. And if not for a couple of miscues, Texas Tech should have won. Uh, I thought Texas Tech gave that game away more than Oklahoma State seized it. Now, Oklahoma State... is good, but I've said for weeks that they're not as good as they were last year. And I think Texas is miles better than they were last year. Uh, And I think from last week we learned that Oklahoma State obviously is beatable. They got beat by TCU. But I think the Texas game, instead of saying that Texas came back down to earth, I think Iowa State's defense is just legitimate. I mean, Kansas has been scoring 40 on everybody. They scored 14 on Iowa State. So I think this weekend we learned that Iowa State is probably the worst offense in the league and maybe the best defense in the league. And Texas pulled it out. As far as the... The game plan you lay out, yeah, that's exactly what Texas should do every week. Quick tempo passing. I think Quinn Ewers is really good at that. Hit some deep shots with Xavier Worthy and and number four. Hit the tight end on some hots. And get progressively more Bijan as the day goes along. Or a heavy dose of Bijan early. And then progressively more Roshan as the day goes along. You saw it late against Iowa State that the pair were just hammering them down the field. I, I don't think they should have thrown in the fourth quarter. And Texas, oftentimes this year, has run a set with six offensive linemen. With the the offensive lineman-like tight end in number 92. I mean that that is just what they do. They're they they a power team with a dynamic quarterback, 
the best wide receiver in the Big 12 and the best running back in the Big 12. Uh, this off the text line, are you excited for Red Raider basketball? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very excited about basketball in, in general. Um, I love the NCAA basketball tournament and I love the Big 12 season. I used to just get into it in January because that's when Big 12 play started, but I think more and more uh, I'm really learning to enjoy the non-con and, and to catch some games. I think the Maui Classic will be really good for Texas Tech. The rest of their non-conference schedule, though, and we, we've talked about this before, Texas Tech... They do a lot of things great. They do. They do a lot of things great. Non-conference basketball schedule is not one of them. Texas Tech could win the Big 12 this year in basketball and get a three seed. That's what you're setting yourself up for early. I mean, there's a reason that Kansas can not win the Big 12 and get a one seed in most years. Well, it's the respect they get. No, it's the non-conference. They don't play 10 quad four games to start the season. I mean, there's, there's no reason that Texas Tech can't go find some group of five teams that will come to the USA if you go there the next year. I mean, swapping out five of these Northwesternville State University schools for some mid-majors, some legitimate teams, and yeah, you might lose a couple. And maybe it is impossible to get teams to come to the USA. And maybe you want to play as many home games as possible. And you don't want to play in a bunch of these challenges and classics and, and neutral sites and road games. But there's a point to building a resume early and then surviving Big 12 play. And I get also the, hey, we need to save ourselves for Big 12 play so we can last during Big 12 play. But you just work with such a thin margin. I mean, that's why Texas Tech went 500 in Big 12 play and probably wasn't going to make the tournament in 2020 and was a sixth seed the year after. Uh, who are you most excited to see this year, the freshmen? Uh, I'm really excited about Pop Isaacs and, and Lamar Washington and Robert Jennings and, and these freshmen coming in. Because you've not had a team like this recently. I mean, the last team you had that was freshman heavy was Justin Gray and Keenan Evans and Norn Sodiase and uh, an early Tubby Smith team. Uh, really excited to see Fardaws. Really excited to see Bacho. If the hype is real, then he's legit. And you're going to have two legit bigs when Bacho and Fardaws are back healthy. Bacho's healthy now, but when Fardoz is back. Uh, the texter says, I'm excited to see what Curran Walton can do. 
Yeah, and, and you need a sharpshooter. You've not had one. And I'm excited to see what the offense looks like with Steve Green. Uh, if you're going to do the, the Golden State shoot a bunch of threes and play defense kind of thing, um, works for Golden State. And, and people will say, well, the NBA doesn't play defense. Golden State did. And their run, yeah, they were good offensively, but they're one of the best defenses, too. Uh, all in favor of naming the new offense the Bear Attack, I'm down. I like the Bear Raid, but the Bear Attack sounds good, too. Uh, especially beating Baylor at a night game. Uh, Baylor in an evening road games has proven to be more of a loser than West Virginia. Baylor, I think we learned last week that... Uh, what do we learn in the Big 12 last week? What do we learn? We learned that TCU is legit. We learned that Oklahoma State is gettable. We learned that Kansas offense is still going to be good and that Oklahoma is not good, but they're better than Kansas. And we learned that Baylor has taken a true step back this season. We we did. And you can argue that point if you want to. But I think there are serious and legitimate doubts to Dave Aranda as a head coach beyond just having incredible talent and a down year in the Big 12. Texas down last year. Oklahoma down last year. It was Baylor and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State beat them in the regular season. And then played their worst game of the year to lose by an inch. I'm not saying that Baylor got lucky. Baylor went out and did it. They did. But I think Dave Aranda needs to prove something in the le- in the next six weeks to to prove that he is what he what he thought he was and that he didn't get an extension too early. All right, we'll take the break here. When we come back. More basketball talk and more text messages from you. 806-855-3712. We'll be back after this. You are the co-host. 806-855-3712 is the text line. We'll jump right back in. Rob, the old man, says he'd fight any animal to defend his wife, kids, or grandkids, but for a friend, maybe a good-sized chihuahua. (laughs) It certainly depends on the friend. I jump in there and scrap with some animals for uh, some people, but otherwise, I I don't know. Texas should just bring the wishbone back. You know, the first score against Texas Tech was kind of a an inverted look. But there were three backs in the backfield, and it worked. It was a pass, but 
Um, if anybody in the Big 12 besides Texas Tech could clearly run a two running back set, it would be Texas. Um, cause you don't really want to take Bijan off the field, but I think Roshan has his own merits as a power runner. Um, but again, you don't want to take carries away from Bijan Robinson. Uh, unless Bijan is not fresh, uh, th- there shouldn't be a package where Roshan is the go-to if Bijan's also on the field. I mean, he's the kind of guy, everyone knows it's going to him, and it doesn't matter. He's going to get his yards. Hit five yards in the backfield, he gains four. That's just how it's been going for Bijan Robinson. He's very good. I think West Virginia has a couple of equally talented backs. TCU, maybe I've underrated their talent all year long. Quentin Johnson is incredible. He looked really good against Oklahoma State, especially in the fourth quarter. And then obviously Sir Roger Thompson and uh, Tosh Brooks. Which I said earlier that Tosh Brooks is due for a bit of a game. I, I do think that. And I think this is a good spot for not only Texas Tech, but the running game to get going. I, I think this offensive line, uh, and I think we legally have to say much maligned offensive line, needs a get-right game. And... I think a couple of these guys who maybe have played in the past here at Texas Tech and played better, I think they have a bit of a confidence issue. When you're not confident in your ability, when you're not confident in the guys next to you ability, when you're not confident in the scheme, when you're not confident in the quarterback, whatever you're not confident in, if there's any kind of shaken confidence... You are not going to play your best. And I think that's been obvious on this offensive line this season. Now, in my opinion, it looked like they got some confidence going against Oklahoma State. I thought they played pretty well. Now, there was a lot of pressure late, but they were bringing a lot of pressure. And Oklahoma State's a very good defensive line. Kansas State is a very good defensive line. NC State is a very good defensive front. Texas, very good defensive front. Houston, at the time before some injuries, very good defensive front. And that's five really good defensive lines in a row. Probably the five best you play all year. We talked about Baylor being a great defensive line. But for whatever reason, they have not been as dynamic. Kansas. Kansas is maybe a little bit underrated defensively on the front. But that secondary doesn't seem good. Man. I am really intrigued by the back half of this Texas Tech football schedule. Because as I've said... Every team could beat Texas Tech. 
And Texas Tech could beat every team. Every team could. It's all about Joey McGuire putting wins together. Uh, And if you look at it right now, how it sits, you're still chasing that elusive back-to-back conference win that you've just not really been able to do consistently. Now, you've played three of them. You're one and two. I think in the next two weeks, and again, I'm not looking past West Virginia. I, I... I will give West Virginia all their due tonight on the Gambling Gauchos and over the next three days on the Rob Bro Show, the Raiderland, and on Countdown to Kickoff on Saturday morning. I, I will try to do my best to see all the positives of West Virginia, but I, I just do not think that they stack up against the teams you've played thus far. And two things can happen. Two things can happen when this is a when this is the the matchup you get. You either play down to your opponent because you're not used to it. You had to play up to Kansas State, you had to play up to Texas, you had to play up to NC State, you had to play up to Oklahoma State. Now you play down to West Virginia. Or you keep playing up and you blow them out. And maybe West Virginia is just better than I think. And Baylor is still good. And Kansas is legit. And Pitt and Virginia Tech aren't as terrible as I think they are. And West Virginia comes in and is really super competitive. But I just don't see that. And there's a reason, again, why Texas Tech is favored by a touchdown. I think you're that good. And at 3-3, and it's hard to see sometimes. But I just believe that Texas Tech is the better team going into this weekend. And... I think this is the first time, not think, I know that this is the first time since Houston that I truly think you're the better team on the field. Again, there's a reason why you were underdogs by nearly 10 points in three of those games. 10 or nearly 10. This off the text line, Rob, please discuss the possibility of three SEC teams in the playoffs, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama, and how that could happen this year. Uh, Let's see. Georgia? Georgia beats Tennessee. Alabama loses in the SEC championship after winning every regular season game. 
Oh, wait. I already said it wrong. Uh, Georgia, Georgia beats Tennessee to go to the SEC championship. Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee all have one loss. It would be hard to not put them all in the, the, the playoff. So Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. Now, if Tennessee, if Tennessee can get to the SEC championship undefeated, I think that makes it harder. Uh, but even so, one of those teams has one loss, and then they lose to Alabama in the in the SEC championship. You're going to have three teams with one loss because only one of those teams, only one of T- Tennessee and Georgia, can go to the SEC championship. Uh, the back half of the schedule will definitely reveal the ability to win games with four of the six at home. Time to see why Coach Wells was fired. Uh, and it's time to see if Joey is the real deal or just an exciting used car salesman. And that's what I'm talking about with with playing up, playing up, playing up, playing down. And this is a spot for Texas Tech to prove themselves or or to be, and you're going to hate that I say this, typical tech. And there's a reason people say that, and there's a reason people use that phrase, but you can break the stigma, right? I think you've broken it in baseball. I think you've broken it in basketball in the last couple of years. And Joey can be the guy to break it in football. All right, final break of the hour. When we come back, we'll wrap up. We've got more text messages to get to and more. This is the Rob Bro Show on Talk 103.9 News. Money Sports. Welcome back. Final segment. Uh, this off the text line. Great answer. Thank you. Great question. You set me up. I'll uh, knock him down there, buddy. Talk 1039. Rob Bro Show. I am the host. You are the co-host. 806-855-3712. I do have another bandwagon. I want to get off of. Off of. I want to get off the Alabama fan bandwagon. These guys are the worst. You lost a game. You lost a game. If you haven't seen the discourse on social media from Alabama fans after losing, let me check my notes, one game. They are incredible. And I get it. They're spoiled. They've won a lot. These kids in college have really never seen them truly lose. I would probably be insufferable as well. But after the Tennessee game, there's this post. The goalpost that was thrown into the river needs to be pulled, measured, and checked. Rumor has it it was not wide enough by the code. The one brought back was... Was the one brought back was, but the missed field goal that went slightly right would have been three points. That's why they tore it down. That's why they threw it in the river. 
It was a it was an orchestrated effort that they had a uh, a goalpost that was not the right size. And as soon as they won, they put the prime directive to the student section to rip that sucker down and carry it out and dump it in the river. That was the prime directive from up high in the SEC. They're tired of Alabama winning. They want to see them lose a couple. There was also um, the, the head, uh, the white hat, called him the head referee, but it was the white hat um, that he was, he's been on the crew for every road loss for Alabama. There's a conspiracy that he just hates Alabama. I wonder how many home wins or or road losses that he's or road wins that he's been on. He just happens to have been there for. And th- there was a moment where the 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 official is reviewing a touchdown. It was a touchdown, by the way. He calls the touchdown and then kind of locks his elbows. And these Alabama fans are saying, "See." He was cheering for the touchdown. It's like, no, he just moved his elbows. You soft, soft human beings. Chill out. You you lost one game. Also, at this point, I hope they lose three more. I would like to uh to see Alabama go, I don't know, nine and three, eight and four. I mean, they've not done that since they played. Uh, Trevor Knight. And Oklahoma in the... Sure, well, they could have gone 10-2, and two, but whatever it was. Uh, I'm also on the bandwagon for Tennessee finishing the year strong. Um, luckily for them, and I do say luckily, they get an absolute cupcake the week after they have to play Alabama. Uh, why is that important? Because if there's a letdown game, I don't think that uh, they'll lose to Tennessee Martin. Now, they're just 6-0, and uh, but they've beaten LSU, Florida. It took them overtime to beat Pittsburgh, so maybe Pittsburgh is legit. Uh, then they just beat Alabama, so they have UT Martin. They have... Kentucky at home, they go to Athens. Now, that's a tough one, okay? And maybe, like I'm saying, it could be better to just lose to Georgia. Because if you lose to Georgia, and then Georgia goes on to win the SEC, if you beat Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, let me say that again, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, you're in the playoffs. You are in the playoff. And what's better is, if you beat UT Martin, homecoming, you get Kentucky at home, which is not going to be an easy fight. Georgia, I think, is your toughest game remaining. Not, I think, is your toughest game remaining. And then you have Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Tough. Tough to see Tennessee not in the playoff. It really is. Now, 
it would be classic Tennessee to go 10-2 and and lose to Georgia and Kentucky. Or to lose to Missouri or South Carolina or Vanderbilt. But it seems like they've got a great shot. And I would much rather see Tennessee in the playoff than Georgia again or Alabama again or Clemson again. I want some fresh blood. What about a Michigan-Tennessee National Championship? I know Michigan was there last year, but still. All right, we'll take the long break of about 20 hours. We'll come back tomorrow for the Raiderland. This has been the Rob Bro Show. I've been Rob Bro. I'll probably be him tomorrow as well. Uh, we'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.